All right. Welcome back to the Lost Guardsman. Colm, how are you doing, my friend? Good, Roger. How are you keeping? I'm doing all right. Could this be any more stilted and awkward? <laughs> well, <laughs> last week we were, uh, or last week, I keep saying last week, last episode, of course, uh, we were talking about uh, Tiernitz and um, your homework uh, coming off that topic was to go and research the Blood Angels. So yes. uh, how have you been doing and uh, were you able to do your homework? I, I am, and we've done it again. We've 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 skipped ahead. I wanted to do a cool intro and we talk, chat about our lives and stuff. But yes, you you are right. Uh, we are um, the Lost Guards, and we're looking at uh, Warhammer Forty K and the lore. And I am really the Lost Guardsman because you're you're the pro. I'm I'm the noob. You've been like living this universe for like twenty years, I believe. Um, and I've been sort of you know, interested in Warhammer 40k for, for a lot, for the last maybe decade, but never really dove into it. And for anybody listening, if this is your first podcast, this is sort of like a beginner's guide to Warhammer 40k, but I do feel veterans can listen to because they listen to column and, and, and probably like go, yes, yes, someone else, one of us. Well, uh, actually, Roger, a colleague of mine, who, a PJ, who's, um, he, he and his um, brothers and father are big into Warhammer 40k. Uh, listened to our last episode, and one thing he really admired was the way you could uh, rein me in from going on tangents. That really appealed to him. That's that's from like 15 years of knowing you, Colm. You know, 15 years ago, <laughs> I would have like never left your house because you just wouldn't stop. So now. <laughs> Now I know when to like. Okay, that's enough. Now let's let's settle down, Colin. It's okay. Um, but yeah, like I really appreciate the people who did listen. Uh, as I said, uh, we're new at this, and we're just um, yeah. The, the, this podcast came up as an excuse for me and Colin to sit down every now and again and have a chat. We're long term friends who unfortunately moved away from one another and don't get to see each other as much as we'd like to. Uh, so we we wanted to talk, uh, connect over a, a mutual mutual passion of ours. And the way this podcast will evolve is essentially, we could be very rote, we could be very methodical and move through factions and and, and, and in 40k. But I feel like we just want to have a conversation and see where the see where the road see where the warp takes us. Oh, I'm very, <laughs> I up with that on the spot. I'm quite proud of that. Um, <laughs> So see where the warp takes. Yeah, see where the warp takes us. And um, if you listen to our last pod- podcast, you'll know that we started off with the faction, the Tyranid faction, uh, one of my favorite factions. Whenever I'm playing games, whatever variant of game I'm playing or reading or listening to or watching in, in the 40k universe, I have a fascination with the Tyranids. I always love playing. If I can play as monsters uh, versus playing as humans, but when we were touching on the um, Tyranids, we ended up on a piece of that was uh, High, Fleet, High Fleet Leviathan and the devastation of Baal. And I got really curious about the devastation of Baal. And um, I'm going to kind of talk about Baal and the devastation of Baal. Colm, I want you to stop me at any point whenever you think there's an extra bit of flavor or um, you think I've missed something or got something wrong. So one thing I was very interested to find out, but Baal the planet was actually inhabited by a Xeno race before any, you know, human showed up there. Did you know this? Oh, this is, you, you've gone back like uh, way further than 
Well, I, I want to thank. I, I never knew this. So, so I, sing, you canary. <laughs> I want to set. I wanted to set the scene because I told you, like, when you're on the the 40k Wikipedia page, it's like a normal Wikipedia page. Every third word is hyperlinked, so you can end up in like 47 different rabbit holes just from one rabbit hole. And um, so, as, as I, I, I was hoping you'd know more than this, but ultimately, they, they it's a kind of an unknown Zeno race, and it was sort of, uh, as I understood it, like a fight, like this this race fought between light and dark. And obviously, I think under the influence of the warp until eventually they just essentially wiped themselves out through through war and famine and pestilence and sort of desolated the planet um, until Sanguinius, Sanguinus, Sang- Sanguinius, Sanguinius okay, so- showed up. Okay. So before he was there, so he was the old, he was obviously, and this is again, going down more rabbit holes. Obviously he's a blood angels primark. Am I, is that yeah, correct? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so just, um, my understanding of the history of Baal was that there was indeed a civil war, um, between the Baal had been once upon a time, a lush paradise, but my histories of Baal and his two moons, um, Baal Primus and Primus and Baal Secondus, was that it was settled by humans. So when you say that it was inhabited by a Xenos race, indeed it may have been. But mm. when Sanguinius arrived, um, it had already been settled by humans for a long time. Yeah, I think I think it was like mutants and and and. I yeah, and so yeah, maybe so I'm mixing up this this um, nuclear level civil mm. war that you talk about basically mm. turned a lush paradise mm. into now. Sorry, Baal itself, I think, was always sort of a deserty, sort of barren planet, but its mm. two moons were verdant mm. and lush, and mm. yeah, you know, they were paradises, yeah, but then their jealousy of one another they launched all sorts of um uh hyper destructive weapons like you know basically uh climate destroying weapons yeah and, uh, they, they turned the two planets into deserts basically so it's all kind of irradiated desert mm-hmm. and all the radiation you basically get a fallout situation here and yeah. uh, what's left is human survivors mm. and those who are mutated by the radiation. So mm. only a very limited amount of pure blood humans mm. uh, yeah. exist and they're fighting for survival in a walking dead esque sort yeah. of thing against all these mutants. And then Sanguinius arrives. So what do yeah. you know about that? <laughs> Sanguinius arrives. Yeah, I think I've confused I've started way back at the beginning and then maybe confused because there was like that Xeno race, there is reference to them them warring and fighting. So maybe that's where I'm getting confused. But yes, you you you're, you are correct um, with them basically turning their paradises into into deserts essentially. Uh, mm-hmm. Sanguinius arrives now. I know this is a whole separate rabbit hole about Primarchs and the Emperor and like how he arrives and why he arrives. And I think we'll save Primarchs and all all you know the the Empire maybe for a later podcast i suppose i suppose just uh, like as in a like um quick overview of what yeah. the primarchs are because it is significant i dare we're, you to be we're, quick Colin. We're, we're going to talk about like space marines in a moment and it's important to know the primarchs are before you talk about the space marines so sure. um space marines are 
eight foot tall, if not taller, genetically engineered superhumans wearing like basically massive slabs of ceramite armor and the most powerful weapons known to man. Their their main primary weapon is a machine gun that fires mini missiles called bolts. Um, but they themselves are only the kind of offspring, the genetic offspring of these demigods that the emperor created, the Primarchs. Mm. It's uh, thought that he created 20 of them, but only 18 of them ever get mentioned in mm-hmm. official lore. No one quite knows what happened to the other two. And Sanguinius was one of these Primarchs because the emperor wanted to co- conquer the galaxy with his space marines, but he needed, he couldn't be everywhere at once. He needed these superhuman demigod mm to lead his armies and they were the primarchs but they got scattered across the galaxy before they were even uh, fully gestated so mm. um yeah one of them lands on Baal. yeah there's some accident am i right if you, i think you explained that to me like years ago there's some accident yeah. where they all get scattered isn't it like he had so, a plan and they no i don't even want to ask you that question because you're gonna no, no. but, but oh, just uh, it's always been quite mysterious what happened to them and uh, as i'm reading through the horse heresy novels and i'm now in the siege of terror i actually found out what happened and oh, it is it's like a revelation it's like oh wow that just came out of left field and it's it's <laughs> It's amazing because it's always mysterious. But when you yeah. find out what happened, it's like, yeah. oh, shit, yeah. son. That shit just happened. <laughs> Tune yeah. into episode 75 to find out what happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that is cool. I, I mean, like I said, you can just you can just disappear on like you can be on one topic and then disappear down another tangent immediately, can't you? So Sanguinius arrives and essentially the foundation of the Blood Angels um occurs i know that's like a very quick way of saying what happens now colin and i'm only asking this question because you told me to ask it what (laughs) what are our blood angels just space marines painted red okay so this ties in with sanguinius and this idea of pure blood humans and everything else so again this is a rabbit hole and you'll prevent me going too deep down but um so when one thinks of space marines last week we mentioned that like the ultramarines are the poster boys of the space marines and Robute gilliman is their primarch and he's basically your supreme statesman and general and he's an empire builder and everything else but sanguinius is an angel when he's discovered on baal he's got these big wings growing out of his back mm-hmm. now remember the pure blood humans living on baal don't like mutants because they are in constant struggle for survival against the mutants so when they come across this um infant with wings growing up out of his back a lot of them want to kill it straight away but a few of them recognize uh, that this child is otherwise perfect without a blemish on its skin and they decide that surely this is an angel sent to kind of turn things in their favor Mm. so uh, the tribe is called the blood uh, those of the pure blood so they're mm-hmm. called the blood for short a bit of foreshadowing there of what uh, the legion will be called yeah. and sanguinius like grows up amongst them and because mm-hmm. he's a primarch he grows super fast and within a, a mere few years he is 
bigger, stronger, taller, more intelligent, more articulate, great leadership skills, more charismatic than any regular human. And he towers above them. But he really yearns his place when like a giant horde of mutants kind of descend upon the blood and it all seems hopelessly lost. And he basically single-handedly goes full Neo mode in <laughs> in the Matrix and he just wipes them all out. So okay. um, he, you know, they revere him. And he becomes the leader of Baal and starts kind of wiping out the mutants, lead the humans. And then uh, one day a ship arrives in orbit. And that is the vanguard of the emperor's fleets as he launches his great crusade across the galaxy, not only to conquer it, but also to rediscover his lost sons, the Primarchs. Mm. So one thing that's very interesting about uh, Sanguinius is that he is the only Primarch, um, I believe, that didn't challenge the Emperor on his mm. discovery. A lot of them, like, challenged the Emperor to a duel or, like, you know, the Emperor had to basically prove himself that he was mm. greater than this demigod. And mm. there's all these sort of tales about him, like, entering different feats of greatness um, as a competition to earn the respect of the Primarchs. Mm. But Sanguinius knew who his daddy was. <laughs> and he 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 submitted to the emperor straight away he bowed down okay. and knelt and he said you are my father like he, okay. he knew no 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 uh, star wars like dark revelation of who the father is <laughs> but okay, um, okay. but but sanguinius um so basically all the space marines that were built out of his gene stock are blood angels mm. and they are really hyper aggressive warriors, which is perfect for conquering the galaxy. And mm. you know, they favor close up assaults as opposed mm. to long range warfare. And again, mm. that's all fine and well and good. And they're sent into the most difficult war zones, um, full on mm. assaults. They have a an affinity for you know aerial assaults, which is mm. convenient seeing if their primark has wings and can fly. Yeah, yeah. So they use the jump there. packs, don't they? Don't they use, use jump packs and aircraft and and they like to use drop pods to assault from mm. orbit and stuff. Anything that involves fast assault and anything yeah. in the air, they, they like shock it. Troop, and, shock troops. Absolutely. And Sanguinius mm. is this angelic figure. He loves humanity. He has grown up like defending humanity from threats. Mm. And he like he never gets too big for his boots. He's a very humble character. Mm. He knows he's a Primarch, but he sees that his duty is to protect common humanity. Mm. And as mm. the crusade goes on, though, he notices a flaw in his sons. Mm. They suffer from an affliction called the Red Thirst. Oh. And this is what makes them different to other space marines. Because <laughs> I'm sure you've seen it as you've done your homework but the Blood Angels are essentially space vampires. <laughs> so, but this is what makes them different. They are more noble and they are champions of humanity that see their duty to be that, the defense of the common man and serving the Imperium and the Emperor and Sanguinius. Sanguinius is seen as the Emperor's most perfect son, a symbol of hope, but they suffer from this affliction and Sanguinius cops onto this. He, in, after a certain battle, he kind of he stumbles across one of his sons kind of just scooping pools of blood 
into his into his mouth from the ground like and uh, and he uses his super intelligence to intuit that (laughs) (laughs) might be not right yeah something is up here folks yeah so with a great sadness and um a tear strolling down his cheek he um he ends the space marine's life you know um, as the space marine kind of rabidly tries to attack him, but like it's like it'd be like a newborn baby trying to attack an adult man. Like yeah. it's just it's it's yeah. it's it's futile. But you know he loves his space marine. Some of the primarchs are really brutal about their um, genetic offspring, where he loves each and every one of them, and he it 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 just kind of hurts him badly that he has to do this and he also mm-hmm. worries greatly that his um his pro- progeny might um be flawed and damned mm. and it's something that he's always struggling with but um what did, so have have you do you know much about the blood angels flaws i i don't and and i'll be honest with you my homework was more around the devastation of baal and and, and i we i didn't know we were going to go this far but i i'm actually genuinely fascinated so i, I do want to ask you yeah, being space vampires and also being bastions of humanity, how do they, how do they sort of, how do they, how do they exist in both of those spaces? Like, do they eat this, humans and then like just kid themselves about it? Like, what's going on? <laughs> so you're you're not far wrong. Uh, <laughs> so where possible, the blood angels like throw themselves against the most dangerous enemies with a certain vigor because. Mm-hmm they know they've got this dark rage inside them that needs like blood and they want to direct that where possible against the enemies of the imperium oh, okay. um, but they got like death wishes then like do they do they know they're going to die and they just try to kill themselves to a certain degree right so we're getting on to their second flaw here which is oh, the oh. rage okay Ooh. so to understand the blood angels of the 41st millennium you have to go back to what happened to sanguinius during the horus Mm. heresy Mm. so sanguinius was aware of the flaw the red thirst but Mm. anyway the horus heresy big epic mythology of forty thousand. it's Mm. no secret to anyone who knows anything how it ends it's like romeo and juliet you know Mm. how it ends before you start reading anything Mm. about it Mm. and like the tale of star-crossed lovers, how the Horus heresy ends is with the emperor defeating Horus on his mm. ship, the vengeful spirit. Well, uh, sorry, just because for our listeners, and again, people like myself, I'm, I'm going to think I'm, this is, this is trying to pull from the memories of our previous conversation. Horus is one of the primarchs, correct? He is, he is. He's, he's the he's primarch. In... It, it was basically a, a coin toss between himself and Sanguinius to become the war master who mm. continue on the Great Crusade while the Emperor was working on something else. Mm. Now, that's a real rabbit hole. I'm, like, okay. I'm, not, I'm going to stop myself before I... I feel, I feel like we're down a third rabbit hole already. Yeah, I, think, exactly. I think you asked so, me like what were the weaknesses of the, the blood yeah, yeah. We're already down three <laughs> so, rabbit holes later. Yeah. We're getting into uh, Viet Cong territory here for uh, <laughs> rabbit holes. <laughs> so, All um, right, so we have so, Horus. Horus yeah. betrays the Emperor. He turns um, half of his brothers against the emperor, yeah. and um, uh, deep down, he always had this little jealousy because he he felt himself even before he became corrupted that Sanguinius mm. was the one for the job. But mm. Sanguinius didn't even mind that Horus was picked above him; he was kind of gracious about it. But that mm. nearly made Horus resent him even yeah. more. 
<laughs> such so, a nice guy that sanguineous. yeah yeah like, so so anyway sanguineous stays true to the end and despite his gifts of foresight where he basically foresees his own downfall he mm. gets to the bridge of horus's ship first and he faces horus alone but mm. horus at that point has become imbued with all the power of the dark gods of chaos mm. and so where they would have been equals previously horse is mm. now the favorite mm. and they have this epic battle both in the physical and the metaphysical because they're lashing psychic powers at each other mm. they're both like demigods and eventually horse squeezes the life out of sanguineous with his mm. uh, talon a big mm -hmm. giant claw and um while being defeated sanguineous manages to chink the armor of horse and it said that it was through this little bit of damage that the emperor was finally able to defeat Horus. So okay. Sanguinius is basically Jesus. He died for <laughs> our sins. Like, wow. he, he knew he was going to die and he yeah. sacrificed himself for humanity. So yeah. there's lots of like cross references like in the lore that like Sanguinala is basically Christmas and uh, oh, right. okay. yeah, yeah. And he's this great like savior yeah. angel. But anyway, why does this link to the blood angels now, 10,000 yeah. years later? Yeah. Well, as well as having the red thirst, the great psychic connection between Sanguinius and his sons meant that the awful trauma of his final death to Horus has basically lingered in the gene seed of the Blood Angels. So as well as having a, um, a, a taste for blood, the Blood Angels are also at risk of suffering from the Black Rage. And no matter how strong a character they are or how, like, uh, firm their belief is in and their willpower and everything else any blood angel can succumb to the black rage and when that happens basically a night before battle their thoughts turn to sanguineous and if they turn too much they basically have this hallucination where they are sanguineous on the vengeful spirit about to face down horse so they go berserk and they get rounded up the chaplains of the blood angel base blood angels basically look out for this uh, they see anyone kind of slightly slurring their words or gazing a bit in the distance space marines don't suffer from strokes so if they see this happening it's basically <laughs> a sign that they're about to they're succumbing to the black rage so all these yeah. get organized into a kind of a, a, a death company it's called the death company and their armor is painted oh, yes. with red crosses uh, or saltires, you know, X's across the shoulder pads to represent the wounds of Sanguinius. And these guys, basically, regardless of who they're facing, whether it's Tyranids, Orcs, Necrons, Eldari, it doesn't matter. Everyone's Horus. So they're just like, <laughs> Horus, why did you betray us? Why did you betray the, the Emperor? Damn you, Horus, I loved you. And they basically charge yeah anything and they shake yeah. off wounds that would even take down a normal space ring despite their genetic yeah. superiority and everything else and they just throw themselves at the enemy oblivious to everything else they don't even know mm. where they are they think they're taking down horse so they just go yeah. mad and here's the here's the rub that you can't be cured from the black death so yeah. uh, not the black death the black rage black. 
So yeah, like that is another thing. <laughs> but uh, you can't be cured from that either. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the the black rage um, is so basically once that uh, happens, they seek death in battle. So they mm. throw themselves at the most dangerous enemy to mm. hopefully be killed while they still retain some of their honor. But mm. then if they do survive the battle. Uh, the uh, high chaplain Astaroth will basically go around and decapitate them because yeah. if they can't kill them they will degenerate into these feral beasts and mm. fate worse than death so basically mm. they, they either die in battle or they're mm. killed off afterwards because um, I, yeah. yeah no that's cool and I've actually I know we'll talk about tabletop versions variants of, of you know how these are represented but I've actually seen a tabletop I think you might have had them in a game we played or somebody yeah. I played against had a, a death company basically and seeing their yeah. black armor and the double chain swords I think they had at the yeah. time and that's actually it's funny how I remember that but I have a couple of questions all right so I will actually take a quick step back right sanguinius right yeah. the, like the very name sanguine is blood yeah. isn't it yeah. it's latin yeah. there's a latin root there for blood absolutely yeah was it so they must have given him the name sanguine like how how does he suddenly how does he randomly land on a planet with a people who are called the true blood or the blood or whatever yeah his name is Sanguinius and you know he 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 spawns the blood age so was he named Sanguinius when the emperor lost him no or he named Sanguinius by the people who found him a bit like in Stranger Things uh he was basically Primarch number nine um so oh, right okay so, okay so he all the Primarchs their legions are numbered based on mm. which Primarch they are yeah and um they're numbered one to 20 with two of them missing um yeah, yeah, yeah reasons yeah. and um uh he was the ninth and so the yeah. blood angels are the ninth legion oh, of course now yeah. they're a chapter but that's another story but um they uh... <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe i asked you a question about sanguinius's name that's yeah, all i yeah. want to know like so, who named yeah. him? so basically any of the primarchs usually were named by the culture on the planet which they ended up being found so they're usually products okay. of their surroundings. So this, I was like, there's that... absolutely no chance he was called Sanguinius and then landed on a planet no, just no, randomly no, no, called no, no, by no, no. galaxy too okay. big. For That's that fine. Sort of Next yeah. question I had then went, yeah, 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 exactly. Enough, put enough, what's that for? Like, put enough monkeys in a in a room and they'll eventually write like <laughs> the random <laughs> chances. Um, yeah. What was I saying there? Oh yes. So the Death Company. We, we're not even we're not even close to Devastation of Val yet. But anyway, the Death Companies. So they're they're losing their minds. They're they're sub, sub, um they're falling to this black rage. How do you like? How do you negotiate with them to be like, okay, lads, hold on a second. Before you start butchering all of us, let's bring you somewhere where you can butcher somebody else. Like, are yeah. they? They're they're obviously aware that they're about to fall to the black rage, and they're like, okay, stay calm for the next few hours, and we'll find a battle for you, kind of thing. Or like, how? how Maybe so, I'm getting a bit too into the weeds here. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically like it's it's like. Or do you just kind of like tie them down and then like cut the ropes? Like, <laughs> so it's it's like what they do is so basically usually the onset of the black rage happens the night before a battle because basically okay, you go into okay. kind of like you know um, meditative mode, like taking mm. on oaths of oaths of moment and things like that, like you know swearing that they're going to do different tasks during the battle. 
And it's usually in this kind of uh, contemplative time that they fall to the black rage. Uh, okay, and okay. like the chaplain's looking out for that early sign, that kind of uh, mm. thousand yard stare, that little bit of mm. slurred speech. So the yeah, initial yeah. the initial symptoms are quite mild, but the chaplain's yeah. watching because obviously you're going to end up going full berserker mode. But yeah. the idea is to get you into a ritual like you know they might start off with like little flashes of the mm. like the, the, the death of sanguinius but sure. you know, the, the initial flash might be like okay. you're on you're on the spaceship yeah actually yeah. on that spaceship right now so yeah. it's a spirit and eventually in the peak of battle that's when they start yeah. being horse and going yeah but yeah but then sometimes like if if uh, someone falls to the black death or the black rage and they're um they're, they're in the middle of space transit uh they have to be put into like stasis because yeah like there's no battle for them to fight unless well this is it i was just yeah. i'm you know i'm always curious of the logistics of these things you know that's <laughs> it. everything you explained was absolutely fucking badass but i'm like wait do you like hold him down like do you get his mates to hold him down and be like right point him <laughs> in that direction and just head him off and like like a black paint and then how do you paint him black when he's absolutely gone ballistic i'm like yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway we're, yeah we're, so it's we're, kind of that thing it's like you know yeah. bro- brother uh brother yeah. uh demonte let's just uh yeah. take it down notch there think you're starting to see some visions we're going to yeah. you in to, you know yeah. you're going to paint your the serfs yeah. are going to paint your armor yeah. and, stuff like that, and, and i guess there's probably elements of stories there there where like you have blood angels who try to hide that fact and maybe go a bit rogue like i wonder like you know you, you've obviously read a lot more like do they admit to the fact like if, if the chaplain's not there or if they realize themselves oh wait i'm actually i'm actually succumbing to the black rage here yeah are they you know are they they sent, they strike me as like a honor bound sort of chapter. So they're like, Oh, by the way, you know, uh, sir, <laughs> sir I, uh, yeah. I, I'm coming to the black ranger. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's like, it, it's kind of seen as like an unfortunate malady that mm. uh, happens and there's no shame in it. So yeah. they, 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 when they paint their armor black, they also like give them all these kind of memento mori and things. Mm. And they're quite, the, all their deeds are like hanging so out. They have no the reason board. to hide. There's no reason to hide it. Like it's almost no. like a, and, and, a badge and of honor, but like a, a you know, a, a risk of, of it's, being it's a, a fate. It's a fate that they all share. And yeah. they kind of like, if they were to try and hide it, it would mm. like eventually it would overtake them and they'd devolve into monsters and they'd, yeah they'd, they'd die in disgrace then because they'd have to be put down I, by their former brethren yeah you know? in my head i'm thinking like maybe like a writer or a tv producer who's making a tv show like wouldn't that be a cool story about like uh, you know you've, you've seen those kind of archetypes or those sort of story arcs where the person knows they're about to fall but they they hide it from their colleagues and they're yeah like, well there is mean? There is this thing, like, so, of course, um, I mentioned legions and chapters, and uh, after mm. the Horus Heresy, all the legions were broken down into smaller chapters, with one chapter mm. retaining the original legion name, and the rest of them being successor chapters. And there is different... Actually, cult- that's different a great cult- reminder, yeah, that yeah. We, we need to get back on topic here, because successor chapters actually comes up in part of the thing that I learned today. So I yeah. want... Maybe we can pivot to that. But go go ahead, finish that thought. That so basically, the attitude towards the debt company varies from chapter to chapter. Some of them yeah. embrace it more, 
and mm. in some of the successor chapters it happens more often than the blood angels mm. do and some chapters deny it altogether and like mm. basically the way you're saying someone was starting to suffer from it would they try and hide it there's one successor chapter the Aurelian spears they don't even paint mm. their armor red Mm. heretics but they uh, they uh, they think it's a mark of weakness and shame to fall to it mm. so usually yeah. if any of them see the signs of it they'll kind of mm. get themselves killed before it takes over right. without ever being right. in their company they'll just like throw themselves on a grenade like you know yeah, yeah. so cool that is so, so cool and, back, and, and, back to your pivot there sorry yeah no i mean it actually successor chapters kind of reminded me of a piece of like this next stage okay so we've set the scene we have Baal the planet and its two moons what are they called again Baal, Baal Primus and Secondus like Primus and Secondus um and they're I think they're used to house different like I think one is used for training the, the blood angels if I remember correctly like the, yeah. the, the younger space yeah um but so this all started with we're hive ship Leviathan. So if you've listened to the previous mm -hmm. podcast, you understand a bit more about the Tyranids, the tip of the spear, the tip of the trident. Maybe this is a, another ice tip of another iceberg to another iceberg. And there's now their jaws closing in on the universe. Yeah. Um, but ultimately Baal becomes a, a focal point for, for hive ship, hive fleet Leviathan. Mm. And, and, and as I read it, it's like literally they're, 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 ships blot out the stars not blot out the sun yeah. but blot out the stars around yeah. baal and yeah. baal have to reinforce i think they 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 actually reinstate um uh battlements or or, or defenses that were were there during the horus heresies i think they actually like rebuild mm -hmm. a sort of three-tiered defensive system they basically yeah. like turtle up uh, you know what i mean like they 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 do that like greek soldier thing where they put the like the shields above their heads and like you know <laughs> this everybody battens down the hatches for this yeah. massive um battle and they have these sort of three tiers obviously i think the first tier is actually in space they have like i don't remember the numbers but they have tens of like massive sh and again i don't even know their names of the ships but they have tens of like the biggest space marine ships there are battle they have, like battle barges they have tens yeah. of hundreds of smaller ships they have essentially amassed this huge fleet that is designed to just kind of whittle down this massive uh tyranid invasion yeah. and ultimately it fails it 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 shows i think some success it it does a bit to kind of uh distract and, and deter but ultimately if we, we know the tyranids they just keep coming they just keep coming yeah um they obviously Tyranids managed to land on um, everywhere and just start to infest. Now, there's a whole trap paragraphs and paragraphs of explaining this, and and I'm, I'm not even sure how many novels there are. Like, I'm, are there several novels explaining this, or is it just um, one, or is it multiple? So stories the devastation, or? the devastation of Baal by Guy Haley is the main novel dealing with the, okay. this uh, devastation yeah. of Baal. But um, before that, there was like a. Um, a lot of lore and a bit of a campaign mm. in one of the earlier editions of 40k like um mm. uh, cryptus system was basically mm. like the way the blood angels knew the tyranids were coming for them was because they were mm. just following the path of destruction they were leaving in other si uh, systems yeah. and they tried to mm. slow them down in the cryptus system they did everything they possibly could um sacrifice worlds did everything and of course all futile tyranids mm. still land in Baal eventually mm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and actually that that brings me into when you were talking about the what are they called the the sub chapters the successor, successor chapters chapter. yeah. yes because I was reading about all the successor chapters I'm not reading about them but reading who they were and they're all variants of the word blood like they're <laughs> all you know they're all uh, the blood stealers and the the, the flesh terrors flesh terrors and like yeah. it's all very visceral very like yeah you can picture yeah. claws Car- and carmine blades and all yeah, that. yeah yeah so like they obviously have they have a lot of support like that the, there is a lot of people or a lot of marines space marines there but when i saw the numbers like it's only like they're in the thousands like they're not yeah. it's not like there's hundreds of thousands or millions of space marines there's like no. 5000 on primus or um, you know primus and 8000 on secundus and 6000 yeah. on the main on, on ball itself and you're like oh shit there's not that many of them like if you think yeah. about a planet and 6000 people yeah. you're like how do you yeah. defend a planet with 6000 people what you do is you actually like i think don't, don't the psychers like enslave some of the or 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 forcibly fight some of the or forcibly force some of the other residents to fight i think that's part of their plan as well as they uh, you're looking at me with a kind of a effect you know the readers can or uh, readers or listeners can't see you i'm listening uh, um, as i understood it essentially they they sort of forced the the local population into into fighting through sort of mental psychic means as well so uh, does, does this sound familiar to you but as i understood yeah. it from the wiki page like it sounds like they didn't like give the residents a choice you're like they they forcibly almost will oh, them so all all uh space marine chapters obviously have to recruit from a base human population mm. and like space marines are rare like it's taught mm. that like most most citizens of the imperium will go their whole lives without ever seeing a space marine so yeah, yeah. seeing a space marines meant to be like you know like uh uh aurora borealis moment mm. like you know uh, it's mm. um it's like wow like i've heard about these legends and here i see one of them so like seeing mm. a whole chapter but obviously some humans live mm. on home planets and things like that and where they do they usually venerate the space marines as kind of like gods Mm. so and like they are called the angels of death like that's the general mm. term for space marines um they're known mm. as the angels of death um so when like you have a human population like there's usually statues of space marines in the town square and yeah. like when a space marine comes down and like say picks a child to be an initiate into the space marines um mm. it's seen as a great honor and um then you have the thing as well. You talk about their numbers. Space Marines, one Space Marine is like in the lore, doesn't really translate to tabletop, but in the lore, one Space Marine is the equivalent of a hundred normal human soldiers. Mm. Like even if mm. they were each, a yeah. hundred of them, one Space Marine would be the match of that. So mm. like when you talk about like 5,000, like holding the moon, mm. like it, multiply that by a hundred, that's 500,000. Yeah normal yeah yeah, yeah 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 and yeah. then and then you have human auxiliaries fighting with them as well and yeah. some of them like conscription like i told you last episode mm. the imperium's a dark place like it's yeah. like living under a kind of a pseudo fascist mm. regime so conscription mm. happens but also the people do kind of think oh we're going to fight alongside the angels we're going to like this is be our our yeah. our life's moment our, our greatest sure. moment yeah 
So yeah. it does. So uh, like, as I read it, it yeah. sounded like they were forced. Like, it 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 sounded like it's. I think the chaplains like. Can can they do that? The chaplains have psychic powers. The librarians have psychic powers. The chaplains okay, are more okay. kind of like the faith and the okay, okay, sort of thing. Where the the, the, way, the way I read it was, it was kind of like forcibly conscripted. Now, obviously, they're fighting for their lives. I don't know who anybody who'd be like, sorry, I'm a pacifist right now, everybody. Like, <laughs> you know, but it sounded like it was it was quite brutal in, in terms of how they were they were conscripted but as you said it's a pseudo-fascist universe and, yeah. and, and so where, where necessary yes but you would also yeah. have these like um planetary defense force troopers mm, who like yeah. this is our this yeah. is our defining yeah. moment so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll do it and like, yeah. another thing i remembered thirst water this is something I, do you know what I'm talking about? Thirst water, right? So this is something I'd never even heard of before because I was like, I'm pretty confident I've heard, I've heard a lot about, you know, the, the, the 40K universe, but thirst water, for any of our listeners who don't know, is it's like a semi-sentient water that like, basically, if you drink it, it desiccates you. It basically like just consumes all the liquid within you. Yes. And I'm like... What's the purpose? Like, how did this evolve? Like, is this created in a lab? Like, I, I didn't click the link, but I was essentially this was part of the defense. That's where this comes from. They they, yeah. they created a moat of thirst water, and um, a part of me laughed because I was like, "How useless is a moat when people can attack from space? Like, it's, it's <laughs> you know, <laughs> what is this medieval warfare? Like, it, like yeah. trebuchets in? Like, I'm just like I'm just big picturing." Uh, um, tyranids that are like have evolved to be giant medieval trebuchets <laughs> <laughs> anyway thirst yeah. water very cool essentially it tricks you into like drinking it um do you know more about thirst water or like yeah. or, or what, what so like when um say a young aspirant so if a normal human so humans need to be discovered by as potential initiates into a space green chapter before they hit puberty because they're going to get like inserted with a load of like new organs that kind of mm. make them into these genetically superior warriors mm. so it has to all be done before they go through puberty mm. so like your typical space marine aspirant is going to be discovered between the ages of 10 and 13 and mm. after that it's too late so um they have to complete these trials. There's all these trials. And again, it varies from culture to culture and chapter to chapter. Like mm. in some places, it's going to be like cannibal tribes fighting to the death. And whoever's like, you know, the young warrior who's taken many heads by the age of 11 mm. is mm. Uh, <laughs> a potential space yeah. marine aspirant. And even at that then, like only say one in 50 actually make it through. So it's a very yeah. brutal process. But in... Um, in the Blood Angels um, practice, the aspirants have to like create uh, complete this survival trek across the deserts of Baal. And mm. one of the dangers they have to watch out for is thirst water because mm. it's not only by drinking it, if you touch it, it'll just oh, wow. desiccate you and drain all your moisture. And that's how it yeah. continues to exist without being evaporated in the desert. Is, oh, because it takes drained. all your water. Yes. Very so good. That, wow. that, yeah. So that's one of the, as they complete their pilgrimage to Angel, mm. Angel's Fall, where they then have to like jump off a cliff with some wings mm. they've made themselves. And there's mm. other trials like fights and combat and everything else. Yeah. But like, you know, one of the things that may kill them along the way is like a puddle. 
So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, like we, yeah. we touched on this in the previous podcast as well about a certain planet where like literally every everything is out to kill you. What was the Katachin? Katachin, yeah, Katachin yeah. warrior or something or Katachin jungle fighters. Jungle yeah. fighters, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's another element to the defense, um, and ultimately, it all kind of just goes to shit anyway because it's it's just uh, yeah, it's just an in innumerable innumerable amount of um, tyranids that just wave after wave after wave, and no matter mm. what like the support that they have, um, I think there's also a reference there to some of the. Um, the, yeah, the, I, I'm not sure. The initiates, is that what they're called? The the, the sort of um, yeah. kids of, you know, the, the junior members are also sort of attacked, um, which kind of spurs on a bit of a counteroffensive, if I remember correctly. Mm. By Lictor um, and some gene stealers. Yes, yes, yes. Well, wow, I can't believe you know that. Well, maybe you've done some homework as well, but that's uh, part of it. Until eventually... Then what, which really I thought was really cool. It's like, you know, a new a new challenger has entered the ring. Uh ultimately a um the warp opens and mm-hmm. um the a, like uh, demons of chaos show up uh yeah. led by this cabanda character yeah. who's basically like nobody gets to kill the blood angels but me yeah um and ultimately the blood angels are in not not quite yet but like the they're almost saved by their mortal enemies this mm-hmm. this commander and his uh, um uh chaos demons mm-hmm. uh, and and so like a third party it's like yeah it's like tekken or, or street fighter challenger <laughs> has entered like enter your coin and then a new challenger yes yes um, so then all hell breaks loose we have three factions fighting off against each other even though like the space marines are about to lose or or the blood angels are about to lose they're essentially saved by their mortal enemies and but then but then uh i'm gonna try and get gilliman rubiute rubiute gilliman who's actually reborn by the way which made me click on another link i'm like why was he dead (laughs) in the first place but let's not get there yet um he shows up to eventually sort of mop up what's left and while you know it was an absolute mess lots and lots of blood angels killed like they're i won't say wiped out virtually wiped out mm-hmm. um or or you know reduced to a, a skeleton crew essentially yes uh, this ultramarine primarch shows up with with um um his army and support um and I'm, before i get to the next step have i missed anything in there in that sort of you any more flavor text to add to that between the warp opening up and cabanda showing yeah. up and then so uh, the- this is the thing this is the thing about um so uh, chapter master dante the lord of the blood angels has called all successor chapters together as you mm. alluded to mm. and uh, meanwhile their chief librarian mephiston has gathered an, a kind of conclave of all the librarians together to go mm. into the warp and prevent cabanda from coming to uh bal because they they've kind of seen omens that this is about to happen and they're like okay yeah and this is why i'm kind of like they weren't they were too preoccupied to be mind tricking people into fighting with the defense i think that was more the general conscription and stuff okay. the librarians were up to their necks because they were like uh okay 
we have the largest high fleet ever seen of Tyranids mm. descending on the, our system. Um, but then they had seen Omens, uh, Mephiston, who is so cool, by the way. I could go down that character uh, arc. Like, okay. so he's, he's the only Blood Angel to have fallen to the Black Rage and come back. Oh, baby. That <clears> is he, cool. He is badass. His nickname yeah. is the Lord of Death. So he's he is as cool as they come. But Mephiston and the other librarians basically see, okay, Cabanda is about to come out of the warp again and attack mm -hmm. us. So they need to mm -hmm. prevent this. So they actually perform this sort of dark ritual uh, in the mountains away from the main fight against the Tyranids to try and prevent Cabanda coming because they're like, that's the last thing we need is a demonic mm. invasion at the same time as mm. a Tyranid invasion. <laughs> and ultimately, you know, ultimately they fail, but they are successful enough to prevent him coming on to Baal itself. And he mm. lands on Baal Primus and he manifests mm. there with a load of demons. And that's why they take out all the Tyranids there. So when mm. J. Gilliman finally breaks through the warp storm, and mm. this is the great rift in the galaxy. So that's mm. a, a story for the another day. Basically, Abaddon, the spoiler, he successfully destroyed Cadia, and that meant the Eye of Terror split the galaxy in two. Anyway, mm. going to that, that's the kind of as short as I can possibly make that. But that's what caused all these demonic incursions to start happening everywhere all at once. And this is at mm. the same time as the, the Tyranids are attacking Val. So there's a lot going on. Mm. And so Rebuta Gilliman has kind of come back from being sort of technically dead. And he's the only loyalist Primarch that exists. Mm. And he leads a big fleet, big fleet called the Indomitus Crusade to take back the galaxy at its darkest moment. And mm. his ships break the siege, break the Tyranid attack. But when they arrive, all they find on... Um... Oh, you're about to spoil it. You're about to spoil it for me. I know. I know what the answer to this is. They, yeah. they find a like all the Tyranid skulls in the shape of Cabanda's head. Yes. Well, the, the the symbol of corn, yeah. Basically. Oh, is it? Oh, sorry. I thought it was yeah, his yeah. face or something like that. <laughs> he's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he's like giving the thumbs up or doing the fig giving the fingers yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it, it's like a Banksy yeah. piece of work. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> just uh, yeah. yeah, it's like a very dark Banksy piece is just on the surface <laughs> of Val Primus. But uh But that's yeah. it's so cool how it's like Cabanda's like, no, nobody gets to kill the Blood Angels but me kind of thing. Yeah. Or, or is it a Blood Angel thing or is it is it a space marine thing? It's like all it's, or it's, is it it's a Blood Angel thing and it goes okay. back to the Horus heresy because everything goes back to the horse yeah. so basically when horse was about to get all heretical mm. and treacherous mm. he mm. knew that one of his biggest obstacles was going to be sanguinius because mm. sanguinius is just epic so yeah. he decides to send sanguinius as far away to the edge of the galaxy as he can and he sends him to a place called cygnus prime mm. and the blood angels arrive into this system um basically horus has told sanguinius that the cure to the flaw lies in this system and mm. so sanguinius is like oh redemption for my boys i'm gonna bring everyone yeah. to this party yeah. and yeah. land in the system and this is this is the 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 black 
uh, rage. No, this the, is the red thirst. The red thirst. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Because black rage only happens after Sanguinius has died. This is uh, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like kicking a man when he's down. You already have yeah. this dark affliction, and then here's yeah, the yeah. This is their uh, generic predilection for drinking blood. He's like, mm. I might be able to cure them and make them noble again the way they're yeah, supposed to yeah, be. Yeah. And so they land in this system, and basically, uh, warp storm traps them there. And every planet has been overtaken by a demonic invasion and all okay. the, like humans have been sacrificed and butchered and everything else. Mm. And on C- Cygnus Prime, the main planet, uh, yeah. who's the main demon there only Cabanda and mm. um, him and Sanguinius have this like massive fight mm. and like, you know, basically a greater demon of corn against uh, mm. Sanguinius, the Primarch and like they're fighting in the air, they're doing everything. Uh, Sanguinius gets his legs broken by um, Cabanda, but he's already kind of cut Cabanda up a good bit as well. And then mm. Cabanda basically decides he's he's going to try and attack Sanguinius on the ground, but Sanguinius, even with his legs broken, is still going to like take him on and probably mm. hurt him more. So then he kind of goes like... <laughs> why, do I, why do I picture the knight in um, Monty Python? Yeah, yeah. Well. Like, All so, right, we'll call it a flesh wound. Yes. <laughs> so uh, uh, Cabanda basically realizes that the best way to hurt Sanguinius is to hurt his sons. So basically he rips through about 500 blood angels in like a matter of seconds. And the, the kind of psychic backlash of their deaths makes Sanguinius pass out. Um, and the blood angels have to kind of like, you know, rally around them and get them out of there until he's better. Yeah. But then, you know, there's a big, big story. It's a, it's a whole mm-hmm. book called um, um, Fear to Thread is the name of the book. It's one of the horse mm-hmm. heresy novels. It's epic. Yeah. Anyway, Sanguinius comes back, bitch slaps Cabanda for hurting his boys <laughs> and yeah. casts him back to the warp. But Cabanda shows up again at the Siege of Terra and uh, uh, Sanguinius bitch slaps him again. And uh, it becomes <laughs> this whole running thing. Yeah. But you see, the reason is Cabanda is a servant of Corn, And Corn's most favoured prize would have been if the Blood Angels had turned. Because Corn oh. is the god of blood and skulls and war. And oh. they're all things the Blood Angels are very good at, uh, yeah. uh, blood and war. And basically, Corn out of all the Chaos Gods, despite being murderous and being big into decapitation and uh, mm. memento moris type uh, decor mm. <laughs> with his uh, skull throne, um, one thing he does have a bit as well is a bit of martial pride and a kind of a very twisted sense of honor. So like... Mm the best of the Primarchs to, that he wants to corrupt to him would be Sanguinia. Yeah. So yeah. the whole thing with Cygnus Prime was actually not to destroy the Blood Angels, but to make them turn. Ah, uh, okay. okay. Don't. So that's kind of, so Caban yeah, yeah, yeah. has basically been in the warp, wanting to get back at the Blood Angels for sure. thousands of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he lands, that's why he kills the Tyranids, because he's like, yeah. only me. Yeah. So, like, what an epic... I won't say it's an end, but it's like what an epic twist to this, like, you know, basically lost battle um, where your enemy, like the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of yeah. shows up. Like, I'm not saying they went like high fives all around. Like, Let's do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Apollo Creed and Rocky doing the big bicep thing. Yeah. Uh, it's um, so, yeah, um, reboot, 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 say it again. 
Rabute Rabute Gilliman. Great name, yeah. great name. I think he'll have to be featured in a future podcast, uh, oh, probably around probably around Ultramarines. But yeah, um, he shows up, mops up the scraps. Ultimately, Baal is actually saved, um, but you know at what cost? It's it's pretty much decimated, um, and we kind of come to the end of the devastation of Baal part of our maybe storyline i think a good segue next that where i'd actually like to take this is because when i heard about this cabanda guy i think that's the next topic for our podcast is is um cabanda and sorry what what faction of chaos is he again remind me corn i think i think corn not the not the band Uh, this is a a different type of corn but Mm. i think we'll kind of segue our episode three will be focused around corn and and i'll go down more rabbit holes and and come back that'll be my homework for the next episode yeah um anything else when it comes to the devastation of bile before we kind of wrap this part of the podcast up no i think i think uh the last thing i'd add there is um and this will link in as we go into this is kind of segue into the tabletop uh, mm. representation of uh, space marines. Um, when Rebuta Gilliman arrives, he's brought a new breed of space marine with him, the Primaris space marines, and because these were kind of like a, a secret project he had going on mm. before he was mm. incapacitated, and mm. ended up that unknown to the Imperium. There was actually thousands of these even better space marines um, ready to go. Um, and um, he's bringing with them on this crusade, but he's also designed them to have the g- genetic material of all their Primarchs. So he has a load of extra blood angels with him. And he also has the, um, the scientists come with him to show the blood angels how to make all future blood angels these primaris marines nice. and um like they're meant to like say a space marine's eight foot tall these guys are meant to be nine foot tall and all yeah. the organs the space marines have these guys are supposed to have like two extra organs yeah. um, really it was a tabletop thing that i'll get into when we get into tabletop oh i see um, i see but yeah which which like uh, life imitating art or art yeah or yeah like that. Uh, but uh, one of the chapters um is so obviously dante is delighted because he's like you know <laughs> we're skeleton crew as you mentioned roger yeah and uh, he's like okay so now not only did we get reinforcements but we've got new blood angels when all of our initiates were nearly wiped out by the tyrannies yeah. as well mm-hmm. so yeah. he's delighted but there's this guy, um, Gabriel Seth, who's the chapter master of the Flesh Terrors. And they're mm. like this really angry chapter of Blood Angels that are even more bloodthirsty and they fall to the Black Rage way more often. And when mm. he comes in, and this ties into your uh, original question many moons back when you said, what makes them different to a normal space ring? Is Gabriel Seth basically looks at these Primaris and goes, we are the sons of Sanguinius. Mm. Gilliman wants to make us red ultramarines and I'm not going to have it. And so he actually is really resistant to bringing in the Primaris Marines into his chapter Mm. because they're supposed to be more resistant to the Black Rage and everything else. Mm. Seth's whole approach is that like in this very badass way, he's like, yeah, we're cursed. and That's what makes us so bloody good. Because we yeah. have to resist this every single day with every fiber okay. on the bean. 
And so yeah. he's like, I'm not taking some easy option. Screw yeah. science. We're not. <laughs> screw vaccinations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm going to keep flagellating myself. Like, this yeah. is, you know, that's what makes us who we are kind of thing. Oh, you got to respect that. All right. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like, I, I loved reading. Like, I, I again, I'm, I'm going to call you actually while we were talking today and I, um, I realized um, that after reading that specific, even that Wikipedia page on the devastation of Baal, I was like, whoa, this is even like, even in the bland Wikipedia writing, this is cool. Like this yeah. whole, this whole thing. I know why you nearly wet yourself at the end of the last podcast when we talked about <laughs> this being the topic, this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, oh. and can I just add in that the, the novel, The Devastation of Baal by Guy Haley is... Mm great i i really Top not it. Yeah. I, I i one of the things i am i was going to ask you today whether off the podcast or not is like i've got a i've got a credit for my amazon for my audible account my listen to my audiobooks and i'm like okay where do i start when it comes to like the 40k universe and the literature um, and yeah. i don't know you don't have to answer right now but maybe well, i think it I think they've actually brought out, so obviously I'm um, a great fan of the Horse Heresy series, and that's mm -hmm. why I can go like back 10,000 years. But if you want to mm. jump an off point for the 40K universe, mm. the first kind of 40K themed book I ever read was um, Gaunt's Ghosts um, by mm. Dan Abnett, who writes a lot of the Horse Heresy books as well. Mm. Dan Abnett is mm. an amazing author. And mm. one of the first the first novel I ever read set in anything to do with Warhammer was First mm. and Only, which follows Gaunt's mm. Ghost, these normal stealthy Imperial Guardsmen. They're just mm. you know, normal human troopers. And they're mm. kind of uh, it's real it's got this real band of brothers vibe to it. Like it's just yeah, cool. yeah. but it's, it's it but set in forty K with all the kind of yeah. chaos warp shit going on and it's just yeah. okay. it, it, it's good. I found that a great jumping off point but since ninth edition 40k or eighth or ninth whichever it was um this there's been this series of books called the dawn of fire which is all mm. about the return of gilliman and the indomitus crusade and it's probably mm. a good jumping off point because gilliman hasn't been round for nearly ten thousand mm. years and the imperium that he fought for when the emperor was mm. still alive he's waking now in this even more dystopian society of uh, mm. 40,000 universe. So mm. it's really good. It's really good to see things through his eyes because he's basically come from a time of logic and reason and awoken in a place where it's all superstition and suspicion mm. and hatred and so, trying to reconcile yeah. with that. So that's a, so that, there that's is, a good one. Yeah. So there is no, this is, this is issue number one kind of thing. Like, or this is like, would the, would the start of the horse heresies not be the start where you should start? Like, isn't that like you're starting? Anyway, we're kind of digressing. We'll have maybe, no, maybe no, we'll but, what I would say about that is the horse mm. heresy is probably a great place to start about the idea of the Imperium, but a lot mm. of the threats like the Tyranids and the Tau, um, yeah. they don't exist back then. And the Necrons right. or like, you know, not that they don't exist, but the humanity's not aware of yeah. them. So, reading something like dawn of fire would be probably quite good for okay someone. yeah yeah okay all right good to know okay i'll take that under take that under advisement right so we've kind of carted off we want to have a look at sort of very briefly where we're we've hit the hour mark so we don't want to go on too long but yeah. we want to look at like the representation of blood angels space marines in the tabletop 
So yeah. I'll, I'll leave that to you, I suppose. I, I know what they look like. I know they're super hard to kill. Yeah. <laughs> and they just seem to have multiple roles to save them, no matter what you hit them with. So, but, uh, yeah. Go ahead. So I suppose, like, all space marines are generally tough. Um, mm. And uh, uh, I mentioned the Primaris marines. Um, back in 2017, one of the problems with space marines was the models were, even though they're meant to be these, you know, eight, 10 foot, eight foot super soldiers, the models actually mm. stood pretty much at the same height as a normal human guardsman. There wasn't mm. much to mark them out. And a lot of people, a lot of fans have been, you know, crying out for true scale space marines, like ones that when you put them beside a normal human did actually tower mm. over them. So, Games Workshop brought out this new line of space marines and they called them Primaris marines and they mm. kind of felt that if they just brought out these new space marines people would flip the lid and kind of go no you've made my space marines look crap now and I'm going to and you're yeah. expecting me to buy all these new models and I've been collecting space marines for decades and look what you've made me do which, and, which they would have done oh yeah <laughs> absolutely I mean myself <laughs> included um, yeah. so they kind of shoehorned it into the lore that basically Gilliman uh, had been, he, he had got this um, this guy, this archmage arch of the Adeptus Mechanicus um, Belisarius Call back mm. in the time of the heresy. He had him basically working on these even more super, super soldiers called the Primaris Marines. But then Gilliman was mm. incapacitated and Call never got the order to actually released them so they were always like in stasis like for mm, thousands mm. of years so anyway it kind of shoehorned them in then that there was this technology to make space marines even better and give fresh recruits to the hard-pressed space marines across the galaxy because the galaxy was after mm. being split in two and all this crap and mm. um uh people were like ah it's really annoying because like basically there's firstborn marines and primaris marines and then the way the rules worked was some tanks could only carry primaris marines but not normal marines and all this it got very annoying but basically in the meantime in the last seven years they're kind of phasing out the firstborn marines and it's going to get to a point where all space mm. marines are primaris and then okay. if you but even if you want to say that there were og marines you're still going to be using primaris models because that's all that's going okay. to be available so yeah. there, there's a bit of that going on so they, they mm. kind of as you said life imitating art or art imitating life mm. basically they they were doing mm. this so this a lot of the lore starts incorporating these guys yeah. good angels in general whether they're firstborn or primaris they as i mentioned they love jump packs they love close combat they're really good and mm. um, all mm. space marines are your kind of really good all-rounders they're kind of yeah be good at range good in close combat but the blood angels love being in close combat they mm. take like these um golden elite flying warriors called sanguinary guard and they're basically got like two plus armor saves on a d6 dice and they're really good in close combat they can they're basically flying terminators terminators are usually mm. kind of slow and plodding because they're so heavily armored but these guys have you know just as effective armor but they can also fly on jump backs so yeah. they're, they're they're really good um, then they've got the death company and the death company they like, shrug off wounds that like so even if something bre breaks their armor they usually have like a, a five plus um what's known as a feel no pain save so mm. 
even if they don't get an armor save because a weapon is that good, it just ignores it. Mm. They still get to roll this and have one in three chance of shrugging off the wounds. So <laughs> they're 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 tough. Like they're just and, badass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so like again, generally with Blood Angels, like if you're gonna you can play them like any Space Marines, but if you want to play them like the Blood Angels way. You're gonna get like mm. plenty of close combat units, plenty of jump pack mm. units, um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're I collected um, back in the firstborn days. Like my first army was Blood Angels, and mm. um, I suppose I started collecting them as Red Space Marines because I'm a Liverpool fan, and I thought Red looked cool. <laughs> but but then as as I started, it does look cool. It does. So then as I started to understand the lore a bit more, I um, I. Uh, started um trying to prioritize close combat units and as you said you'd you have mm. seen me with a death company unit on the table before mm. um but then as the primaris marines came in i started to paint them like my blood angels but then when you put them beside them they make the older models look like you know squat little runts and uh, yeah. like, mm, i might go a different yeah. direction so i've actually one the lovely i've mentioned before about like 40k being such a sandbox that you can kind of create your own stories and stuff mm. so i've my own chapter now uh the sanctifiers and they're an all primaris um uh chapter of space marines mm. and i do have a few blood drops here and there because my whole thing about them is that they're blood angel successors and um okay. but okay. um and part of my background lore to them is that they were part of the um the armada the indomitus crusade that went to relieve baal but then they were gutted that they got there so late and that so many of the parent chapter had been killed because they hadn't gotten there in time mm-hmm. so they really hate tyranids now and mm. I thought as a fun little twist to them, I don't use any death company because uh, my guys don't realize that the death company secret is well known among the blood angels. They think it's something only they're suffering from. And so they basically uh, cover it up from everybody. And oh, wow. uh, so, so your, 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 your chapter doesn't speak to the other guys and basically, yeah, because they're ashamed and they're basically, okay. they've basically sworn to go wherever the Tyranid threat is greatest mm. and try mm. and avenge the fallen of Baal. So when they keep okay. blood drops on their insignia, so my chapter is gray and a sort of dark maroon. Mm. Uh, yeah. color and they use a bit of a I have a bit of camouflage which is unusual for space marines on say, mm. some panels of their armor but the idea behind that is that these guys are they they think they're meant to work like a codex chapter like a standard like the ultramarines but then some mm. of them are kind of suffering from these afflictions mm. and uh, they think it's their own flaw and basically mm. they execute any of their own that start showing mm. signs they don't realize about this whole death company thing but just yeah. be, remember the blood angels have this kept secret from the wider imperium as well so there will be no way for oh to know. we i did not know that that's yeah. a new piece of information so so the so the other chapters don't know that the blood angels have this thirst 
Is that, yeah, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like this dark secret. So sometimes when blood <laughs> angels, my yeah. mind is blown right yeah. now. Wow. So sometimes when blood angels or their successors are deployed to like you know, what what do other chapters think the black company are then, or the, they, the they, death company? They, they probably think it's like this, um, you know, elite close combat force that okay. uh, uh, maybe yeah. have a death wish, but not because they're going yeah. crazy. They just think yeah. they're really effective. And, you know, if the odd uh, imperial citizen or guardsman ends up found um, kind of mm. outside of their camp encampment with uh, two uh, bite marks in their neck and drained of their blood, um, yeah. they assume it was the enemy or that there was some kind of yeah. uh, dangerous fauna on the planet that's done this. Yeah. That actually does. I should have asked this like literally an hour ago at this point. Um, so they do actually drink blood and they drink blood like vampires mm. and whose blood do they drink then is it just the local population each other yeah like obviously it's other humans so like yeah does, so they can does, try... does the local conscripts or the local humans on their on bow not go hey why does john have two puncture wounds in his <laughs> neck like <laughs> and drained of all his blood yeah so basically they considering they're so noble considering like we mm -hmm. talked about how like a noble a chapter they are so they're always fighting to resist it basically and they're always okay. trying not to do it and by drinking the blood of their enemies in battle that can kind of um Mm. slate or turf they, they won't drink tyranid blood though will they no, no no but all space marines can uh eat uh anything if necessary kind of to, okay. they're supposed to be able to obtain memories from eating the flesh mm. of deceased foes and stuff so okay okay and um, so some of this can be passed off as standard space marine behavior but obviously all right. anyway. anyway going back to the tabletop uh yeah, yeah. very good in close combat and terminator is very good and um uh there used to be a cool mechanic in one of the older editions of 40k where um if you had a blood angel army you rolled a dice for each squad and on a certain result one of the members joined the death company. So now you pay for the death company the way you pay for any other unit mm. with your points allowance. But it used yeah. to be a cool thing where you just made your army and then yeah. you rolled and it could yeah, be or, yeah. it could be a normal like uh, uh, tactical cool. marine or yeah. it'd be one of your terminators that you didn't yeah. want to lose. Um, yeah, yeah. But but that's the nature of how it happens in the lore. So it was a really cool yeah. mechanic. So you could end up with like only three that company or you could end up with like 10 of them or whatever but yeah you didn't know because they were randomly succumbing to the black rage so that that's, was that's cool. a very cool yeah like that's that's a kind of bit of rng here but i guess it probably adds a little one more step of rng to an already kind of I won't say RNG heavy game, but you know, like there's yeah. already enough RNG in the game, let alone like you build an army. Cause I imagine in like competitions and tournaments yes. and you've got a strategy mapped out and then suddenly all your lads go bananas and you have to like completely like revamp how you, how you've strategized that, that, that yeah. particular army. Yeah. Um, that's cool. That's yeah. very, very cool. So yeah, they're, um, they're, they're cool in games. They play like mm -hmm. other space Marines. And I actually, um, just last thing I'll say about on tabletop, um, representation is last episode, we were talking about like how expensive, um, a Tyranid army would be. Mm. And I did see, um, a video recently and I'd like to credit the video maker i can't remember i think it's like tabletop commander or command on tabletop something like that but he did a thing about like 
how much it would cost you in British pounds to collect a 2000 point tournament winning army for the different factions. And he pointed mm. out that like you could collect a 2000 point army for cheaper, but to collect a competitive army, what it would cost. And he went through all mm. the factions. And what I found very interesting was mm. uh, it could be anywhere between 400 pound and at the upper end, 800 pound, depending on the faction. Well, which then you try you translate that into euros here for Ireland, and mm. you're talking about between, I suppose, four hundred and fifty to mm. Mm. euro for a competitive mm. army. But there's lots of these kind of like bundle sets and things, starter sets. Yeah, you know, you yeah. Split them with a friend. There's yeah. there is ways to do it cheaper, and there's like, yeah. but like, yeah. yeah, when you start this hobby, you don't immediately go and say, right, I need to build the most tournament ready no arm exactly. you know what i mean you you find like i you know like i did when i dabbled in it i was like i found a an a faction that i thought just looked cool and that was yeah. the El, El, eldar at the time for me eldari now yeah, yeah. and i just thought like these guys just look shit cool and i love the fact that like you know i, I learned a little bit about their history and they just i just liked the theme and that's yeah. when i where yeah. i went with it and like like that i went to ebay and i was like there's people like have households full of like old 40k armies that they're trying to get rid of and facebook marketplace is awash with them every day and i mean if i'm in a secondhand board game group in dublin here and like every second day somebody's like here i've got these space marines will somebody take them off my hands for you know 40 quid or whatever it is like so um yeah i mean i appreciate like all these armies are going to be more or less expensive but yeah you know when you're getting into the hobby you shouldn't, you know, you might, but you shouldn't be thinking, okay, what's the best, like, you know, <laughs> tournament ready yeah. army I can build and what's the, what's my budget for it, you know? And, and look, there are people who do that in other games like Magic the Gathering and spend thousands on cards. Mm. And some people do that for Warhammer 40,000 as well. Yeah. But it is like... It's my know, pocket money column. I'll do whatever I want with exactly. it, okay? What are you, my mother? <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, if you... Like, like it, what I do like about Games Workshop is um, they have different entry level points and like you can play a kill team and all you need is like 10 guys out of a faction and you can play a kill team once you get the rules yeah. and stuff. Um, so you can keep it as cheap as you want to be. So like you could buy a squad of guys for 50 euro and maybe the rule book and, you know, there's online sites like Wahapedia that have all the rules for free, but illegal, yeah. but it's there yeah. exists it's in russia so they don't have jurisdiction to shut them down but uh we we this podcast does not condone that website whatever that is <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but but i'm just saying it exists yes. and uh, and um so like there's different things like that and um like there's ways that you can be smart like using ebay and things and only mm. only playing kill team mm. that you could like be into the hobby for like under 100 euro or you can sure. go all out for if you want to be winning global tournaments like i've been in the hobby yeah. 25 years i've never played in a competitive tournament and um, mm-hmm. but i know people who have and they highly recommend yeah. it so it's probably something i will do but i yeah. i think like you know just um uh you know do what's within your budget and as you said you start off with a starter set maybe 100 euro and then you add units mm-hmm. over time so you might spend yeah you know 500 euro plus but you're not going to do it all at once like you said it could no, be over no. the space of two years i i struggle to believe you spent 
500 only 500 euro in the last 20 years Carl. Um, yeah. <laughs> have you ever have you ever written that down that that price point um some <laughs> things are better off not being known yeah uh, ignorance and, is bliss uh, well also, thank god your wife doesn't ever listen to you either so that that you know, she's <laughs> never gonna listen to the podcast um okay we're gonna move on then so the last thing we're gonna touch on before we wrap it up is the Mordheim campaign that you're yeah. currently uh running at the moment so give give our listeners a little bit of a yeah. recap and so, right so you and i are talking right now on sunday the 28th of january 2024 mm. and uh tomorrow i'm about to launch month two of the mm. um uh Mordheim campaign and our first month the um objective was just play games and the team mm. uh, that, <laughs> which i which i failed yeah, i failed miserably but, at that point you're not the only one um yeah. one, one of one of my good hobby friends anthony he's a great guy he was really worried about um not getting to play his game and i was like don't worry like uh, team undead have half their players haven't even played a game yet and that includes yeah. you roger so <laughs> i was like don't worry about it don't worry you, you come and play when you can but that's the beauty yeah. of doing a narrative uh, campaign it's like yeah. you know i i have little tricks up my sleeve for balancing things out so it looks mm. like the forces of the grand theogenist of sigmar have uh, claimed the first district of uh Mordheim in our campaign okay Burn district i'm so um, i feel like i've let my team down i'm, I'm so sorry okay. everybody i'm on your team <laughs> <laughs> you'll be fine you'll be fine and it'll be fine no but like again that's a, the wonderful thing as well like i'm playing reichlander mercenaries and you're going to be playing the undead but mm. like lore wise, um, I'm my warband are mercenaries and they're fighting for a mysterious benefactor who they don't realize has undead connections. They're just thinking to <laughs> a rich baron where, yeah. you know, um, you might know more accurately your warband leader being a vampire might know that this mysterious benefactor is a vampire. But uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's been quite good. So like just to start things off, um, we had a meetup in, uh, the start of January and uh, went really well. Um, uh, seven of us got together, but there's about 15 people in the campaign um, mm. overall. But just that day, seven of us got together, played a few games, and like some of the guys have. So the way I stop people like yourself from falling behind is that there's a limit to how many games someone can play in a month. It's three. Mm. And um, that like some of the guys have played their three games and they're just champing at the bit to mm. get another game in. I'm like, you have to wait till month two. Like, and <laughs> <laughs> they're like, uh, you know, ki kids that have to come in from playtime. They're like, oh, oh. <laughs> just want to stay one more minute. Yeah, man. yeah. So uh, they're, um, yeah, they're those guys um, and uh, they're, they're lovely guys that I've met on the first day. Um, I can understand why they got through their game so quickly because they probably had two played on day one. But um, uh, yeah, those those guys are um, uh, going to be very happy tomorrow morning as we launch into month two. And so I suppose I can say it here first because I'm going to uh, announce it tomorrow. But uh, month one was the Tavern District and the members of the winning team are all going to get a, a barrel of Bugman's Ale in-game. I don't have uh, Bugman's Ale in real life. But, <laughs> um, uh, month two is going You're to... You're at home with a big barrel, like yeah, just kind of brew, yeah. brewing up something. <laughs> and uh, uh, month two now is going to be in the old jail district. 
and I'm going to introduce a special rule for how people can capture prisoners. And the team that captures the most prisoners over the course of month two mm-hmm. will win month two. And oh. uh, they will then dominate the jail district. And so, yeah, so I've basically um, taken a nice rule I've seen before as an objective and kill team and transferred that into more diamonds. So basically the idea is if you take an enemy out of action when they have no um, uh, other enemy model within eight inches, you've kind of taken them out in isolation. And so you gain a prisoner token. And if your fighter carries that back off uh, your table edge, they've mm. captured a prisoner. Oh, uh, very cool. Yeah. And what I like about it is it might not be, um, you have to make that decision whether you want to play the current scenario or use one of your fires to kind of run off the table edge with its prisoner. Um, yeah, you're, take, you're taking your character out of play as well. You're, you're a fighter out of play as well. That, so to speak. That's it. So um, mm. I want to see if... Um, so that might help people win the overall scenario for the month, uh, mm. the monthly win condition, but it also might be hard for some bands to do this without um, giving up a game that might need that fighter for that particular game. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. that's the idea. Um, so people mm. have to weigh up either taking prisoners or um, winning the scenario that they're in. And sometimes it might just transpire that they'll be able to do both. Um, but that's a tactical decision that people have to make so yeah uh, yeah you've heard it here first roger i haven't even told you yeah, exactly. yet, so. i know i know and i i i but i can't say by the next time we record this podcast i'll have played a game i can't make that promise because we don't we, we don't know what the actual cadence for this podcast is going to be right now but yeah. Uh, um uh yeah i think in february i'll have to we'll have to lock in a, a day or a weekend or something where yeah where, for sure I, I i show up because I'm gonna to have to play a game at some point, and I better yeah. get it done soon because uh, yeah. I'm, I'm. I feel like I'm missing out, and I'm letting my team down. Now, <laughs> now that you said the team is losing, now I'm like mentally well. Now I have to play. Yeah, now I have yeah, to yeah. show it. There's a counter. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, wife and son. This is more important. This is yeah, more important. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, that's uh, yeah. That's unless like that's been episode two of the Last Guardsman, and and I really I have to say really enjoyed learning about the devastation of Baal and and the lore. Um, we'll chat a bit more maybe offline about like your book recommendations because I do think it's amazing what that that that, that I call it a Wikipedia article. It's not Wikipedia, whatever forty k Wikipedia, mm. and I and it really like got me going. Going wow, you know I'm I'm list- I listen to fantasy novels a lot and now i'm like you know what i'd love to and i have i think i wrote uh, you you recommended um a 40k novel to me that's slipping my mind right now um say again first and only uh like the one i recommended to you today or no the one you recommended me previously that i read um Oh my goodness me! I can't think of it now. It's, it's it's escaping me. Anyway, but I remember listening to it and 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 or reading it. Excuse me, and really enjoying it. So I think it might even 
what this podcast might spawn a, a reading uh, uh, list as well as as, sure. as columns columns picks for the month <laughs> or whatever you want um yeah. we we might even invest in some social media i do think about it i'd love to get feedback from the people who are listening to us that are not just like my mom and you know <laughs> <laughs> whatsapp messages from friends you know but, the women um, in our life are not listening to this absolutely no <laughs> chance no chance i love you emma but you are never listening to this yeah um so did you actually I have a fun fact because I, I was thinking I, I googled this before um 90 of foot podcasts um don't record past episode three okay. so we are almost there we're almost to 90 of podcasts and yeah. we will absolutely get to 90 of podcasts okay. i don't know about episode four but let's get to episode three cool so well, can i um there's one um passage talking about book recommendations there's one quote yeah. um or kind of a, a, a scene in a chapter that i just wanted to mm. regale you with before we Go for uh, it before we finish up because it just I, is this going to pump me with adrenaline now and i won't be able to go to bed no i don't think so <laughs> uh, I, um but it epitomizes what the blood angels are about and what they stand mm. for so this isn't giving away any major story arc or revelation mm. or anything like this but uh one of the siege of terror books that i'm reading at the mm. moment there's just this moment so there's like a human kind of normal human um she's kind of a, rem a remembrancer, which is basically a historian or a journalist. Mm -hmm. And she's walking along some of the fortifications during the siege and the, they come under fire uh, with like massive, like building sized artillery shells that are just blowing chunks out of these mountain sized fortifications just for mm -hmm. scale purposes. Mm -hmm. And a blood angel um, that's manning the walls along with all the normal human troops uh, just before uh, a shell hits, he grabs her and turns his back to the wall and mm -hmm. um, she wakes up from the rubble and um, she's blinded and mm -hmm. she's in the kind of infirmary and she's told that the blood angel that saved her uh, has been killed and died saving her. And so she asks for permission to go in to where the blood angel has been kept and um she she hears this voice guiding her through initially she wasn't going to be let in and this voice allows her in and tells her the name of the blood angel that saved her and everything and she's kind of um she's sort of devastated um and she has that survivor guilt but she she basically says like um a space marine is gone in exchange for one human life that seems like a poor return and the voice reminds her and says that's what the space marines were created for he served his purpose exactly truly as he was meant to and she says like oh thank you that's a good way of looking at it and so she's led out by some other kind of like um you know um nurse or medic and she goes who was that that was speaking to me and the medic turns goes, that was lord sanguinius uh, <laughs> but that just like sums it up like this you know, normal yeah. human is like so like it's like some of the space marines become arrogant and things like that yeah actually yeah. the ones that turn to chaos and for like yeah. the prime arc of the blood angels to tell this human that the space yeah. marine did exactly what he was meant to do 
King. Uh, it's just like, was she not like, who's the guy with the fucking wings? Like, <laughs> he's blind. She's blind. Oh, she's, she's blind. Sorry. Like, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So she, yeah. she, she just hears this voice, this gentle voice yeah. explain to yeah, her. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. I should have, I should have, should have coughed that part. No, no, no. But it's, it's, uh, it's I, I'm already thinking of it. Yeah, I'm already thinking of a new section to our podcast column where you just like you just narrate a section from one of the many hundreds of novels <laughs> you've read and just like make me just go, this is the coolest <laughs> universe ever. Yeah. Um, I remembered the theme of the book, not the name that I read. It's the one where it's sort of counting down. Is it counting oh, down? To the, no, no, um, fear. Oh, no, no fear. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember. And it's like counting down to the to the betrayal isn't it is betrayal it, is it Kenny oh, yeah it is the yeah. book that made the ultramarines cool again people were getting yeah. sick of the ultramarines as being these like uh plot armored poster boys that okay, had no okay. real character compared to the other chapters and yeah things. yeah and no no fear made space for uh, the ultramarines yeah so cool yeah. It, it, i remember just even just the countdown mechanic in the book like it's like 12 hours mark to, to, yeah mark yeah yeah, mark, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, and then you're one hour out and then you've the betrayal and you're like, oh, because you, you just get this rising yeah, tension yeah. that like something is about to happen. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to leave it there, folks. We're at an hour and a half way over time. Yeah, um, way over time. Colm, as always, it's great chatting with you. Yeah. Um, to our listeners, thank you so much. Or listener, whoever you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really appreciate being here and uh, next episode we will talk a little bit more about corn cabanda and whatever else i can find about that that just makes me go 40k <laughs> uh all right colin have a good one thanks roger take care see you guys